You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Well, great to have you here in worship with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can look with me to the book of Jonah. That's where we're going to be this morning. If you're using one of the Pew Bibles, it's page 654, 654. You know, the book of Jonah is a little small book, four chapters, a little hard to find. It's sandwiched in between Obadiah, which probably doesn't help you a lot, and Micah. Uh, it's one of the minor prophets, um, but easy to find. If you just look to page 654, you'll find the book of Jonah. And we're starting this series, a three-week series. And uh, in case you missed it last week or were not here last week, one of the exciting things about this series is that our teens and children are all doing the same study. So together, as a whole church family, we're working through the book of Jonah, and we created a devotional. So we have, uh, for each sermon, there's a pre-devotional, post-devotional. So before you come, you can talk with your, your teens, your children, if you have children in the home, about what we're going to talk about. They get here and they hear about it. And then we have a post-devotional, meaning after uh, Sunday, sometime during the week, you can sit down with your children and kind of walk them through, reinforce What's been taught us? So hopefully we're having a learning experience as we travel through the book of Jonah. But if you didn't get one of these devotionals, I would encourage you to stop by uh, any of the connect points and you can pick one up this morning. Uh, you'll get some of Pastor Luke's artwork, special design for you. So please uh, check that out. Now I realize not everyone grew up in Sunday school like I did, but this is what I know. If you grew up in Sunday school, you've heard the story of Jonah. Because it's like the favorite children's story, right? You know, Jonah swallowed by the big fish. I know when I was a kid, I had a Sunday school teacher that could take a flannel graph board and make the story of Jonah come alive. And some of you have no idea what a flannel graph board is. So let me tell you, before <laughs> technology developed, and we had video and audio and all of these wonderful uh, ways that we could tell a story. There was this board and you would take little figures and, and you could actually uh, stick them to the board. So like there would be a Jonah figure and there's the fish and man, this Sunday school teacher that I had could make it come alive. Somehow she made the fish swallow Jonah. I still don't know how she did that, but it all happened on a flannel graph board. Now, just to help me out a little bit, how many of you even know what like a flannel graph board is? Okay, good. I'm not the only old one in the room today. <laughs> But as a kid growing up, thinking about the story of Jonah, it both fascinated me and scared me to death at the same time. It fascinated me because a little boy thinking that there would be a fish big enough to swallow a man, like that was amazing. But even more amazing than that as a little boy, you know, you got to think eight, nine years old, I love the vomit part of the story. Like the fish vomited, and the scripture actually says that the scripture vomited uh, Jonah up on the shore. So that was the part that fascinated me. The part that scared me to death is I thought if I disobeyed, God was going to send a fish to get me as well. Now, how many of you know a little bit of fear is not a bad thing if it, if it motivates you to good behavior, right? But the book of Jonah has a lot to teach us about humanity. We're going to discover some things about humanity. It has a lot to teach us about uh, choices. It has a lot to teach us about the fact that our God is a God of, of second chances. So we're going to dig in a little deeper into all of this over the next few weeks. But before we do all of that, let me tell you my favorite Jonah joke. My favorite Jonah joke. 
There was a lady who um, had a job, and in her job she had to travel a lot. So every week she's on a different plane going to a different location. Um, the challenge was is that she didn't like to fly. Flying made her very nervous. And so well, she kind of had this routine. She would get onto the plane, find her seat, and then she would take her Bible out, and she would read her Bible as uh, she's in flight, and it would just kind of calm. It would calm her nerves and kind of help her get through the flight. Well, in this one particular flight, she pulled out her Bible and began to read, and the man who was sitting beside her just kind of chuckled and um, snarled at her a bit and kind of turned the other way, ignoring her. And as they're in flight, woman still reading her Bible, the, the uh, gentleman says, you, you don't really believe that stuff, do you? And she says, well, it's, it's God's word, and it's the Bible, and, and I believe it. And he says, well, I'm an atheist, and he says, I think that book is nothing more than just a fairy tale. It's full of fables. Uh, and the lady said, well, I happen to believe it's God's word. And the man says, well, just take the story about the man who was swallowed by a fish and in the belly of a fish for three days. I mean, that proves, I mean, that could never happen. That proves that the, the Bible is just a book of, of fables, fairy tales. The woman says, well, you know, I can't really tell you how it happened, but it's in the Bible. I believe it happened. And says, when I get to heaven, I'll look Jonah up and I'll, I'll ask him about the details. And the man sarcastically says, but what if Jonah's not in heaven? She says to him, then you ask him. <laughs> Isn't that a great story? Well, the story of Jonah, it's not a fairy, it's not, it's not a fairy tale, it's not a fable, it's not even an allegory. Some liberal theologians would say, well, you know, it's really, that really didn't happen. It's, it's a story that someone told to teach us biblical lessons. And I would say, no, it, it is a literal story. It's about a, a real man who was swallowed by a real fish because he didn't want to do what God had called him to do. And so we're going to dig a little deeper into that this morning. But first, let me set the stage for what we want to talk about today. The God who created us, the one who made the way of salvation available to us, is always at work in our world today. So God, what is always at work in our community, in your neighborhood, in our world. Not only is God at work bringing redemption and restoration, but he invites us to join him in his work. So God is continually inviting us into a deeper relationship with himself and he's inviting us to partner with him in his work in the world. I mean, think about that. That's a pretty awesome thought. That the creator of the universe, the God who lacks in no way, the God with whom all things is possible, with all things is possible, is consistently, continually inviting us to, to partner with him in his work in our world. Amazing though that God, that God would want us. And each time that God invites us, we have a decision to make. Matter of fact, your response will determine the outcome. My response will determine the outcome. When God invites, we can say yes or we can say what? No. When God invites, we can obey or we can, we can disobey. When God invites, we can either embrace the opportunity or we can run from the opportunity. But what's critical for us to understand is that a response to God's invitation will shape the outcome. A response to God's invitation will shape the direction of our lives. You know, what I think is interesting is that when God saved us, so let's make it personal, when God saved you, He didn't turn you into a robot. Think about that. He didn't like 
take control over your life. No, what he saved you and he has given you still your free will. And with the free will, we have the ability to choose to partner with God or to rebel against God. See, God doesn't, God doesn't force us to passionately pursue him, nor does he force us to partner with him. But what we, what we must understand this morning, we're going to see this in Jonah's story. When we choose to rebel and run from God, it always leads us to consequence. When we choose to obey and run with God, it leads us to blessing. Let me say it again. When you choose to disobey and say, God, I'm going to go my own way. I know best. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't want to do what you want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Listen, it'll always bring you to consequence. But when you choose to obey and run with God, it brings you to blessing. Now think about that for a minute. Consequence or blessing. If I'm given the choice between consequence or blessing, listen, I'll choose blessing every time, right? I, I don't know about you. I don't like consequence. I didn't like consequence when I was a kid. My, my parents held very closely to the scripture that says, if you spare the rod, you'll spoil the child. So what they could bring, my mom could bring consequence. Let me tell you, she could bring consequence. I didn't like consequence then and I don't like it today. I'd rather have blessing, but this is what I understand. It's, it's up to us to choose. In our free will, God has given us the ability to choose. We can run from God or we can run with God. Well, as we see in this story, and we're going to get to it in just a moment, Jonah chose to run from God. Now, Jonah was, uh, again, a real man called by God to go to a place that he didn't want to go to. If ge- geogra- Geographically, if you look at a map, the town he was from is four miles north of Galilee. So God calls him to go to the Assyrian people and preach a message of repentance. Uh, Jonah didn't want to go, and this is why he didn't want to go. He didn't like the Assyrians. And so Jonah chooses to, rather than being a part of God's redemptive plan, Jonah chooses to run in the other direction. Now, before we make Jonah out to be the bad guy, I think we've all been in places in our lives where we've run from God rather than running with God or running to God. I mean, God invites. But For example... Let's say that God invites you to forgive someone that's injured you really bad. They've hurt you. I mean, you know, at that point you have a choice to make. Now here's the question. Are you going to obey or disobey? Are you going to run from God or run with God? Your choice determines the outcome. Or possibly God might uh, invite you to do this, to go to someone and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? What is it? That's a God invitation. Are you going to obey or disobey? Or possibly it could look like this. God, God reveals to you and invites you to give some money to a family in need, to take money out of your pocket and give money to someone who has no groceries in the pantry. Are you going to obey or are you going to disobey? See, I think we all have opportunities like Jonah because, again, God's always at work in our world. And he's inviting, he's inviting folks like us to be a part of his work. And so we, we have this choice, well, are we gonna, are we gonna, re, are we gonna obey or are we gonna disobey? Well, Jonah chose to disobey, and he actually thought he had a really good reason for disobeying. We're gonna get to a story in just a moment, but let me tell you a little bit about the Assyrian people. So Jonah's called the Nineveh, 
Nineveh was the, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And Jonah didn't want to go preach this message of repentance to the Assyrians because he knew that God was going to be gracious. Because, I mean, God can't be anything but gracious, right? And he is a God of grace and mercy. So Jonah knew what was going to happen, so he didn't want to go because he didn't like the Ninevites. Let me tell you why he didn't like the Ninevites. Three reasons. First, the Ninevites were, a, was, they were an idolatrous people. They had all kinds of false gods. They didn't, they didn't worship the, the, the God of creation. They worshiped that which they created. So they're an idolatrous nation. Not only that, they were a ferocious people. At this particular time, they were um, an empire of great power, and they used their power to inflict, afflict other nations. And this is a, a bit gross, a, maybe too much detail uh, for a Sunday morning sermon, but this is history records this, of how ferocious the Assyrian people were. They would go in and conquer cities, conquer other nations, and they would actually take their captives, skin them alive, and pale them on a stake, and then set them on fire. That's the kind of people we're talking about. They would gather up children as they had taken a city captive. They would gather up children, set the children on fire, and force the parents to watch their children die. That's the kind of people we're talking about. And God says to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go and preach a message of repentance to, to this group of people. Third thing we would know about the Assyrians is that, is that they were laying a plan, a strategy to come south to attack the nation of Israel. So when God speaks to Jonah, Jonah doesn't want to go. He doesn't want anything to do with these wicked, evil, idolatrous people. He'd rather they just all burn in hell if it was left up to him, if I can say it that way. Yet God invites him. So let's read about, let's read about it in Jonah chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Notice verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. In other words, he went in exactly the opposite direction. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Verse 4 says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All of the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So everything's going overboard. They're just trying to save themselves. But notice where Jonah's at. Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell, fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Let me summarize quickly the rest of the story. The sailors on, on the ship cast a lot, trying to figure out who, whose fault is this. And the lot fell on Jonah, that Jonah was the problem. So they asked Jonah, who are you and what do you do? And he says, well, I'm a, I'm a prophet of the one true God from the nation of Israel. And that, uh, that concerned them a bit. And Jonah says, hey, I, I'm the problem. I can solve this this um, storm that we're in, I can steal the storm. Just throw me overboard because I'm the problem. I, you know, here's the solution. 
And the scripture tells us that the sailors tried to row the ship back to shore, yet the storm only got worse. So they did what Jonah said. They actually threw him overboard. And it's interesting, if you read the story, the very God who caused the storm in that moment brought stillness to the seas. Now, the sailors thought it was all over. I mean, if you throw someone overboard, what happens? It's a question. If you throw someone overboard, what happens? They drown. So the sailors thought it was all over, but God had another plan. He had, um, the scripture doesn't say a whale. It says a big fish. It could have been a whale. I don't know. Uh, had a big fish who thought he was getting dinner, right? That's what the fish thought. He thought he was getting dinner, but it was a part of God's plan of giving Jonah a second chance. And as the story goes, Jonah is in the, the belly of this big fish for three days. And at the end of three days, he has this prayer of repentance, Jonah chapter 2. At the end of three days, Jonah's like vomited up on the seashore and decides that he's going to follow the direction of the Lord. But really the summary, the summary of this, this book is God's, God called Jonah to the great city of Nineveh to deliver this message of a coming disaster. And in the midst of that, there's this great repentance. But somewhere in the story, Jonah chooses to run from God. Now again, I know none of you would run from God, but Jonah did. And here's a couple problems with running from God. If that's where you're at today, let me tell you, first is this. There's no place you can go that God can't find you. Try playing hide-and-seek with God. He always wins. Well, he's all-knowing. Here's the second problem with running from God. He can run faster than you can. I don't care how fast you are. Maybe you were a track star in school. Listen, God can run faster than you can. So here's Jonah running from God. And he comes to this crisis in his life. You know, just as God called Jonah, so he calls each of us. So don't separate yourself from the story this morning. Let's put ourselves in the story. Because just as God invited Jonah, so God invites each of us to small assignments, to large assignments, to small stuff, to big stuff. And it doesn't matter whether it's a small assignment or a big assignment. Every assignment is significant. So God's calling us to be a part of his work in the world. And when he calls, like Jonah, we have a decision to make. So God invites us to partner with him. We have a decision to make. And we have one of two options. You can either choose to obey or you can choose to disobey. You can choose to run from God or you can choose to run with God. As I said earlier, one option has consequences, the other option has blessings. So let's look at these two options. God invites, He calls, He calls you to be a part of His work in the world today, and you have a choice to make. Here's the first option you have. We can disobey and run from God. Again, that's exactly what Jonah did. I mean, God clearly revealed to him his assignment. Verse 2, Jonah 1, verse 2. God said to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So God's wanting to reveal his mercy and grace to the Ninevites, and Jonah wants nothing to do with it. And he heads in the opposite direction. 
Verse 3 says that he, he ran away from God. So Jonah clearly and blatantly disobeys God. And we don't want to be too hard on Jonah because I think, I think we all have the tendency to do the same thing. Matter of fact, I think there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. Matter of fact, let me, let me ask really quick. Let's do a survey. How many of you would say that at least one time in your life, God has invited, God has spoke, God has revealed himself in some way to you, and you said, no, I'm going to go in the other direction? If you didn't raise your hand, this is called the altar, and right after service, <laughs> we'll be here, and we'll pray with you. Because there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. This, this tendency to rebel, this tendency to say, I want to go my own way, this tendency to, to disobey. And I know you, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but if you're a parent, then you know this really well. You, you didn't have to teach your children how to disobey. Isn't it interesting? You didn't have to teach them how to rebel. I didn't have to sit down with my son, Caleb, when he was two and say, Caleb, listen to Dad. I'm going to teach you how to disobey. I'm going to teach you how to not be good. I'm going to teach you how to, to rebel. I didn't have to do that. It came out pretty natural for him as it does for all of us. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of of Jonah in all of us that God invites and our tendency at times is what do we do like Jonah we run from God I could tell you a lot of personal stories in my own life but let me narrow it to one when I was 12 years old um, God called me to be a pastor I could tell you the exact place that it happened, the time that it happened. At, and I'm 52, so that's, wow, that's 40 years ago. Matter of fact, the, the, this, it was at a revival service. My dad was preaching a revival. I went to the altar. I had this God encounter. And I remember the next Sunday, I went to my Sunday school teacher, Martha Breckenridge. We called her Miss Brackey. And I said, hey, Miss, Miss Brackey, God's called me to be a pastor. I was 12. Now, I grew up in a pastor's home. So a couple years after that, I was probably 14, 15, I was watching this pastoring thing play out because my dad was a pastor and he was having to take care of some difficult people, um, certainly not like any of you. Um, and I watched this thing happen and I watched the challenge my dad was having. I thought, I don't want to be a pastor. I'm going to be a farmer, not a pastor. So at 17, 17 years of age, I bought a house and 10 acres, and I was going to be a farmer. That was my plan. Um, and I, I think I could have been a pretty good farmer. Um, I think I could have done okay financially. But God didn't call me to be a farmer. He, he really had his hand on my life to be a pastor. About age 21, I decided that running from God was not was was not the right thing for me to do. I went to Bible college in 1990. I came on staff here at Grace Covenant. And now in these 20-some years, 20-plus years, I've, I've been kind of living out what I believe God called me to do. But there was, a, there was this window of time in my life where I was like Jonah. God had called. God had invited. And I said, no, I, 
don't think I want to do that. How arrogant this sounds, but I, I think I know better. I know you would never say it, but I thought I knew better than God. I think I know what I want to do. And, and well, really, I was doing what Jonah was doing. See, this is what I know. When God invites, we have a decision to make. Are we going to obey or are we going to disobey? Are we going to go God's way or are we going to go our own way? So when we run from God, it's, it's not a good road to travel on. Not a good road. Matter of fact, when you choose to run from God, let me tell you about the road that you're going to travel down. And it's all here in the story of Jonah. First is this. It's a road of disappointment. You run from God, what are you going to travel on? It's called a road of disappointment. If you look at Jonah's story, he had this all laid out. Bought his ticket, had his plan, well laid out plan. This is where I'm going. This is what's going to happen. And then he was really disappointed. Why? Because you're on a road running from God. This is what you're going to consistently, continually come to is disappointment. You're going to find disappointment, not destiny. If you're on a road running from God, what are you going to find? Disappointment, not destiny. Here's the second thing that's going to happen. If you're on a road running from God, not only are you going to come to disappointment, but you're going to come to disasters. What happens in our lives when we're running from God? Disaster. And for Jonah, it was like train wreck after train wreck. Because of his disobedience, Jonah creates a storm of problems. He experiences disaster. Why? Because God's working against him, not for him. And the interesting thing is, that not only, does, not only does it affect Jonah, but it affects all of those who are traveling with him. Can I tell you something this morning? If, you are on a, if you're running from God and you're on that road, not only is it going to bring disappointment and disaster to you, but whoever's traveling with you, they're going to get to experience the storm with you. In other words, you're creating problems for them as well. I mean, it wasn't Jonah that was isolated in this situation. It was all of the sailors on the boat with him. That we're experiencing this storm. But if you're on a road running from God, I can tell you what it is today. It's a road of disasters. You're wondering, why am I having train wreck after train wreck after train wreck? Because you're being like Jonah. You're running from God. Not only is it a road of disaster, but when you're running from God, it's a road of demise. So disappointment, disaster, demise. Where does Jonah end up? He ends up in the ocean. Not only in the ocean, he ends up in the belly of a fish. I don't know about you, but I don't think that would have been a happy ride. Three days. The belly of a fish. And as he began to repent, it was then that God brought the second chance for Jonah. How many of you know it's good news today that our God is a God of second chances? He doesn't leave us in the belly of a fish. That's the good news. But what I discover in Jonah's story is that if God speaks or God directs you or God calls you to an assignment and you choose to run from God, then you're choosing a difficult road to travel. A difficult road. So running from God is always an option because you have two options. Running from God is always an option, but I would submit to you this morning it's not the best option. There is a second option. What's the second option? It's simply to obey. Rather than running from God, you want to run with God. When Jonah finally came to his senses and chose to obey God, it, it was amazing what God did in him and through him. So he repents, chapter 2. The end of chapter 2, he's vomited up on the shore. 
He goes to Nineveh, he preaches this message of repentance, and literally thousands upon thousands of people repent, embrace God's mercy and grace. Revival breaks out in the city. Listen, it all happened when when Jonah decided, I'm going to run with God, I'm not going to run from God. So I can tell you from the life of Jonah, and even from my own personal experience, listen, life always works better when we choose to obey and run with God. Let me say that again. Life always works better when you choose to run with God, not from God. Now, what I'm not saying is that life is going to be easy. It's not like, well, I'm partnering with God, so life's just going to be so easy, no problems, no challenges. That's not true. I think sometimes we have the mentality, like if I, if I say yes to God and I'm partnering with God, it's going to be like a life of ease. It's going to be like riding the uh, Virginia Creeper Trail. How many know what the Virginia Creeper Trail is? If you haven't done it, I would encourage you to do it. It's 17 miles all downhill. So you get a bicycle and you, and you literally coast from the top to the bottom. If you don't want to, you never have to pedal. It's just so easy what well, you're just coasting. And I think sometimes that's what we think. Well, if I partner with, if I say yes to God and I'm running with God, then that's what life's going to be like. And I would say, no, there's still going to be challenges and there's going to be some hard days and some difficulties. But here's the good news. When you face the hard days and the difficulties, God's with you in it. Why? Because you're running with God. When you come to the hard places, you have God's provision. Why? Because you're running with God. When you come to the places of impossibility, you find possibility. Why? Because God's already there. You're running with Him, not from Him. So we want to run with God. When you're on the road running with God, let me tell you what's going to happen. Three things are going to happen. The first is this. When we run with God, it's a road of purpose. In other words... You began to make a difference, a positive difference, an impact with your life. Well, you're living out greater, greater purpose. Why? Because you're running with God. I mean, that's what we see in, in Jonah's story. If you read on into Jonah chapter 3, the Scripture says that Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. He went to Nineveh. He goes into this city for three days. The city's so big, it takes him three days to go from one end of the city to the other, proclaiming this message of repentance. And the scripture says that everyone, everyone, like put on sackcloth, repented and turned to God. Talking about one of the greatest revivals that's ever happened. It happened through Jonah's life when? When he was running with God. A greater purpose. Where do we find greater purpose in our lives? Let me tell you where you find it when you're running with God. You know, sometimes I think about, I don't know if you ever do this, I think about what might have been. You ever just reflect a little bit like what might have been? Like I think about what might have been with my life if I had chosen to continue to run from God and just be a farmer. Now there's nothing wrong with just being a farmer. I don't want to say it like that. Um, if God's called you to be a farmer, be the best you can be at farming. But I think about what would have happened if I would have just stayed in Arkansas and been a farmer. I think I could have done okay. I think there would have been some happy cows and happy chickens. I, 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 think, I think I could have made a living at that. But fast forward to where I'm at today, I think about all that I would have missed if I'd have stayed there 
doing what I wanted to do, running from God rather than running with God. I think about in my own life, all that I've got to experience. Why? Not because I'm so great, but because God's so great and I've chosen to partner with Him. So I have His greatness in my life working in me and through me. It means what? It means this, I have greater purpose. Why? I'm running with God. Not only that, when you, when you choose the road of running with God, man, you're going to discover greater potential. In other words, it's going to lift the lid on your life. You're going to become more effective in your life. Why? Because, listen, you, now you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have God's resources on your side. What The lid of potentials lifted. Why? Because to, now you're running with God. Not only do we see this in the life of Jonah, we also see it in the life of Joshua. Interesting passage of Scripture, Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. This is God speaking to Joshua. And the scripture's on the screen, so listen as I read this. Notice what God says. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful. There's the word. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. That you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8 says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. It's almost like God saying this to Joshua. Joshua, if you take care of the obedience part, I'll take care of the prosperity and success part. Joshua, if you'll run with me, if you'll follow my law, if you'll follow my way, then this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lift the lid of potential in your life. And the same thing will happen for you. Hey, when we're on the road running with God, we discover greater purpose, we discover greater potential. And here's the third thing that happens when we choose to run with God. It's a road of a transformed life. In other words, what happens? Your life is changed in the process. God begins to refine us from the inside out by the work of His Spirit. You know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now listen, you can't transform yourself. It's the Holy Spirit that does the transforming. But the Holy Spirit can only do the transforming as you're being obedient. So what's my part? My part's obedience. The Holy Spirit's part is transforming my life. And as we are obedient, as we are like on this road running with God, then what the Holy Spirit's refining in our lives. So, so as we choose to run with God, we get to travel a road of purpose, a road of discovered potential, and a road of a transformed life. But I think the greatest, the greatest blessing of obedience to God is that it opens the way for God to work in and through our lives to do more than we ever would think possible. See, through obedience, the power and provision of God is experienced and released through our lives. So here's what I want to leave you with this morning. When God invites you, and He will, this week, this is what I know, this week God's going to invite you. He's going to open an invitation. He's going to open an opportunity for you. Maybe to encourage someone, to bless someone, to extend grace to someone. Maybe to go on a mission trip. Maybe to go to another country. Maybe just to share the hope of the gospel. This is what I know. God's always at work in our world today. Amen? He's always at work in our community. When He's inviting us. 
So if you can think of it like this, every day we have an opportunity like Jonah. Are we going to say yes? Are we going to say no? Are we going to obey? Are we going to disobey? Are we going to run from God? Are we going to run with God? When God invites and he will, may we find ourselves running to him. If you choose to run from God, I can't tell you this morning you're going to get swallowed by a big fish. But this is what I can tell you. You're going to have an unpleasant experience. I can't tell you you're going to get swallowed by a well, but I can tell you circumstance will happen in your life. Read about the prodigal son, Luke 15. The son that chose to run from the father, and this is where he ended up. He ended up in the pig pen. Check it out. Read the story. Well, he was running from the father. Same thing happens in our lives. If you choose to run with God, if you choose to obey, listen, again, I can't promise you you're going to win the lottery this week. But this is what I can promise you. You're going to experience God working in and through your life in ways that you would never thought possible. He's going to do more with your life and in your life. Why? Because you've chosen to run with him. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for the story of Jonah. But for the challenge in our own lives. Because, Lord, again, I think we're all, we all have a little Jonah in us. Now, Lord, what I'm convinced of is you're at work in our world today. And just like you invited Jonah to be a part of your redemptive plan, so you're inviting us small ways, big ways, but you're always inviting Oh, my prayer today is that we would be those who find ourselves running with you, not from you. Lord, we, we, don't, we don't want the, the consequence. God, we want the blessing of you working in our lives and through us. So, so Holy Spirit, I would just pray today from this story of Jonah that we've talked about. May we learn a valuable lesson about the significance of response. And that in this week, in the coming weeks, the coming months, in our lifetime, God, may we consistently, continually find ourselves saying yes to you, not no. Running with you, not running from you. Hey God, this is what I just, it's been my own journey, my own discovery. God, the more I say yes to you, the more significant your work in my life and through my life. And Lord, I, I believe that would be true for everyone here today. So again, may we find ourselves, God, running to you. With every head bowed and eye closed, possibly you're here today. And you would be honest enough to say that you've been playing Jonah. You've been, you've been running from God. Maybe there's an assignment He's called you to. Maybe He's invited you to forgive someone, to give grace to someone. Maybe He's given you an assignment. Maybe there's an issue in your life. I, I don't know what that place might be, but you would just be bold enough and honest enough to say, wow, I've been running from God, not running with God. my prayer for you today is that this would be a defining moment. That this would be a a course correction. Because again, listen, hear me friends, if you're running from God, it's disappointment. 
It's disaster. It's demise. Just keep going down that road long enough. And that's where it takes you. The good news is you can make the course correction today. You can repent as Jonah did. You can change your direction. So if you're here today and you would just be honest enough to say, wow, there's this area, there's this area in my life where I've been running from God. If that's you, would you raise your hand just really quick? Really quick. Anyone else? Really quick. In the balcony on the main floor. Been running from God. Lord, I pray for my friends today. Lord, I've been where they're at. I can well identify. Jonah would be able to identify. And look, what we know today is when we run from your invitation, oh God, it limits your work in our lives. And so Lord, today, Lord, I don't know what the area might be where an individual is turned away from your invitation, but God, I thank you today that you're a God of second chances. That you're a God who redeems and restores. And God, that you give us the opportunity for course corrections in our lives. So Lord, I thank you this morning for my friends that they're getting off the wrong road and getting on the right road. To come to a place of of discovering greater purpose, potential, transform life. Lord, we thank you for your grace that makes it all possible. That we can experience this God with us and God for us. What a privilege. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.